Hey, and welcome to the Freelance Dietitian Podcast, a show that teaches you how freelancing can help you meet your financial goals while giving you space to unplug and enjoy your life. I'm your host, Julia Zakshevsky, a published freelance writer in the nutrition and wellness space. In today's episode, I interview Elise Helenko, also known as the food stylist RD and the brain behind Snap Studio 55. Today, she's going to share her tips on food photography and content creation in the nutrition space. Let's get into it. Listen to the show if you really want to know how to freelance as an RD. There's a new guest every week that will teach you some techniques to use your nutrition degree. Feel inspired, get hired, have a blast. Listen to the Freelance Dietitian Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the episode. I wanted to give a formal introduction for Elise. She's a dietitian, content creation specialist, and founder of Snap Studio 55, a content creation school for dietitians. So cool. She loves dogs, traveling, and dancing. She talks to herself while she's making recipes in the kitchen, and she pretends that she has her own cooking show. Besides constantly taking pictures and videos of her food, she loves helping RDs confidently learn and apply content creation skills so they can develop fulfilling and successful careers just like her. Let's bring her on the show. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Did you want to say hi to listeners? Sure. Hi, Julia. Hi, everyone. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we started recording, that we actually live graphically close to each other, and I couldn't believe that our paths hadn't crossed before, but that is the beauty of entrepreneurship is meeting new people. So I'm really excited to chat with you today. I wanted to ask you to open up the floor. What is your favorite part about being a dietitian? Amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just love how there are so many amazing alternative career opportunities now for dietitians uh, that weren't there before that really allow us to make a bigger impact and help more people in creative ways. There's also kind of like this amazing informality, I feel like now to job opportunities as well. Like you don't need to have a job interview and sit down necessarily to meet people, make connections. And you also don't need to have a traditional nine to five job anymore either. So for example, you can like share your messaging on social media, you can get paid, you know, partnerships with brands and institutions that you really believe in. Um, and these are things you're probably going to be talking about and sharing about anyway. So it's really like a win-win for everyone. And then the other thing I love about being a dietitian is really like the entre entrepreneurial path in general. Uh, there was like a time where I was kind of in between entrepreneurial journeys and my husband was like, why don't you get a nine to five <laughs> in between and just, you know, to bridge that gap? And I was like, no, like, I'm just going to write it out and we'll figure this entrepreneurial thing out. Uh, so I truly love having total creative control as a dietitian and entrepreneurship as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And I forgot to ask, how long have you been practicing as an RD? It's been about 10 years now. And it's pretty much always, I had like a little stint where I was working, like doing some clinical work. It was like maybe two years, but mostly it's been an entrepreneur, uh, like freelancing and that sort of thing. That's so cool. And when you were back in school, though, like before you graduated, did you know, because entrepreneurship sounds to just be like your calling, did you know when you graduated that you would dive into it or like what happened there? I'm always curious to hear. Oh my goodness. I know. I think my trouble was that I didn't know what I wanted to do. So what I ended up doing after graduating was I just kind of threw myself into any and all opportunities. I would make connections. I would network. I would go to a lot of food shows. I met a lot of people in the food industry through that. And that's kind of where this freelancing and consulting uh, part of my career trajectory started. Yeah, that's so cool. It's so interesting when you shed your student skin and then enter the real world. And for some people, 
they end up working exactly where they thought they would and other people it's like well pivot yeah a hundred percent and on the show and on the freelance dietitian brand like we really value creativity and you are so creative it just pours out of you and all of your content your messaging and I love it I would love to hear you articulate maybe how you're incorporating that into your RD practice Oh, amazing. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I think it's really important for dietitians, but like just all working professionals to tap into that creative side. For me, I have incorporated it as working as a private consultant for food brands via my content creation business. It's now under a new name. So I have an Instagram handle, the Food Stylist RD. My previous business, just for some context, was called Honeyco Creative Agency. Um, but I actually sold that business in 2019 um, and kind of rebranded and continue doing the content creation on a smaller scale. Well, a little history there for you. <laughs> and then I was also like the VP of like a health and marketing company for a couple of years. I also helped to create and develop like marketing strategies for the better for you arm of a PR agency. Uh, so yeah, so tapping into this creativity has really allowed me to directly impact the types of communication materials that I help create and produce for brands. I get to help them tell their story in fun and engaging ways. Um, and actually, Just as an FYI, too, like most of my career, I actually worked um, as a ghost content creator as well, which means I produce content kind of behind the scenes. My name wasn't necessarily attached to it uh, for companies like Ontario Pork or Sick Kids Hospital. It's just like on their website or on their marketing materials. And I've only newly been kind of producing content as more of like an influencer (laughs) in quotation marks uh, if they don't feel like one uh, on my social media platforms. Yeah, so cool. So many different outlets there. And in terms of actually like teasing out the inspiration, are there just like elements of your day where you feel like the most creative or you see something maybe walking and it just inspires you? Like, can you talk like that? Stuff gives me goosebumps. I'd love to hear any of your moments like that. The creative process. It's yeah. one of those things where you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, That's <laughs> and you know, you go jotting down ideas. Or like you said, you're walking in the park and you're like, just seeing nature or you're at the grocery store and like the moment of inspiration just kind of happens here and there. It's kind of unexpected and exciting. And sometimes there's creative blocks too. And I try not to let like push things, but if I have a creative block, then I'll go on social media (laughs) or, you know, read through, like flip through like an artistic book or something like that, just to kind of like get the wheels turning. I think I saw on your, I think it was Instagram, and I saw that you posted like way back when as a teenager, you love the LCBO mags. Yes, yes. Food and drink. That's where it all began for me. I was like 16, definitely not drinking yet, but they were like my inspiration for just like their beautiful content and recipes. I remember in high school and for American listeners in grade nine, like many of us have to do this career class. And they asked me, I remember them asking me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be the editor at LCBO magazine. No way. So when you posted that, I was just like kindred spirit. Like, I totally get it. It was like captivating. And I was so young. I didn't really know what booze was because I just wasn't a big part, Miguel. No shade to anybody who is. Um, But just the colors, the imagery, the evocation, like some of it feels like so sensual, like just in the right way. And I was like, like, that's where I wanted to end up in life. So, yeah, and you're doing it. And it's so cool. I love that commonality, too. Yeah, they do a great job. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And. So that's obviously a liquor mag. Do you have an ideal brand that you would love to work with? Because you've mentioned a few you've already been working for. And I know on other podcasts, you've given more details there. So I'd love to hear who's your dream brand. For sure. Um, So I love to work with brands and businesses who have like kind of a mission beyond just like sharing like tasty food and that sort of thing. I think that brands who want to promote like healthy communities and talk a lot about that or brands that also want to promote 
uh, sustainable, healthier planets and that sort of thing. That really aligns with my values. And I feel excited talking about them and sharing them and working for them because we're like working towards this common goal. It's really beautiful. Um, an example that I, another client that I worked for that kind of speaks to this was I, I did some work for MSC. Okay. Uh, and they help to regulate sustainable fishing and regulate mm-hmm. farms to make sure, you know, things are done well. Yeah. <laughs> Industry, basically. I also worked for a healthy snack company that wanted to create more healthy snack options that were school safe. And she's been in the business now, I think, for 10 years. But 10 years ago, there were not a lot of like, um, I guess, allergy friendly foods and that sort of thing or healthy snack options for kids. So that was really cool to have that partnership. Um, and then sometimes it's just about energy. I don't know if you're like a big believer in energy or if your listeners are, but I just kind of feel like sometimes you just vibe and connect um, on a different level. Like there's been times where I'm writing an email or I'm on the phone call with a brand and I just feel like I'm talking to a friend, someone who really gets me and vice versa. So you just kind of clicked with them right away. And I remember someone sharing a, like a quote with me um, when it comes to pitching to brand clients, that sort of thing. She was saying like, you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. Mm-hmm. So I do think that like having an effective pitch script is great, but knowing who you are really helps to create that winning pitch script to begin with and helps you attract your dream clients, basically. Yeah, I love that. So positive. What a great way to frame that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and, and in terms of like crafting a pitch, and obviously you have a lot of experience in marketing now, what would you think are key marketing tools that like a newbie entering the entrepreneur scene should start to educate themselves on a bit sooner? Mm, that's a good one. Marketing tools. Um, or just marketing concepts like some because maybe for some context here, I'm realizing now that after a year and a half of kind of doing writing, which is a marketing uh, shtick. Like, I really wish at the beginning I had spent more time better understanding, like, consumer logic, the psychology about what they find appealing in an article. Like, those little marketing things that I'm like, oh, wow, I probably should have started with that. Like, it would have made it easier. <laughs> smart. Yeah. Um, well, that's a great way to put it. I think, like, in just in terms of seeing, like, what brands are asking for and where, like, the trends of content is going, I would say being being familiar with, like, video content yeah. creation and also if you're comfortable speaking into a camera which I need to personally do more often but just that face-to-face time because we're we're so in some ways we're more connected because you know we have access to all the social media but in some ways we're more disconnected because now everything's virtual yeah so seeing your face and having that bit of personality and that connection I think really helps um I would say that those are really great like marketing tools like being comfortable with video but also some FaceTime virtually is great too yeah, great points. And also exactly like you said, just logging in and seeing what's trending, especially with your dream brands, like speaking their language, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm very curious now to just ask a little bit of silly questions just to get to know you a bit. Um, what would you describe as the most boring day ever? Okay. So the most boring day ever for me would be I just log into my email account and I have like lots of email that have nothing to do with what I love to do. Like, you know, just those administrative things where you're filling out paperwork or accounting. I do not like accounting. It's not my favorite thing. (laughs) Um, Creating invoices, all that stuff. So the most boring day would just be like endless paperwork and emails. Um, I tried to avoid that stuff as much as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So I hire some help and yeah, I have a great team. I'm very lucky. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. (laughs) 
And I know you have several courses available to your website, which is awesome. I'm totally thinking about signing up for one. Um, And I noticed that you link out to your Etsy shop where you have these little amazing little clay like bowls and basically props to help with the photography. Can you talk about your experience with clay? I thought that was such a cool, like welcome surprise when I was browsing your content. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So the... So I have some history of working with clay, like being younger. I was always artistic. I did like every art class I could. And so I've had a little bit of history there, but it obviously stopped when I went to university. I kind of took some time off and just focused on nutrition. <laughs> yep. And then my pregnancy, I was like, I had this like nesting phase where I needed to do things with my hands and I need to be like tactile and stuff again. So I was like, pottery, that's a great like therapeutic kind of uh, artistic thing to do. And then on top of that, like, my personal experience as a food stylist and food photographer was that I would struggle finding appropriate dishwares. You know, oftentimes they're kind of big or they have no personality or they're too reflective or shiny. Um, if I did find a really nice rustic dish, it was super expensive. So I wanted to do something that was like affordable, made for food photography, and kind of corrected all the dishware issues I had in the past. I know it sounds silly to say like I had dishware issues, but <laughs> like saying it out loud, I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, I'm like, that is genius. Like yeah. <laughs> what would, people would kill to have the perfect filter, the perfect item to make the photo pop. So this is brilliant. I'm in awe. Right. Yeah. So it was all about that, um, addressing those struggles. So I felt compelled to come up with a solution. I made my own. And actually, I also At first, it was just like, I'll make a bowl here. I'll make a plate here. Um, But then I decided, well, what's like the ultimate solution? I'll make like a food styling starter kit. So I have like kits where there's two plates, two bowls, two pinch bowls, a kitchen, like chef tweezers, linens, like all in like a pack. So that's what we're selling on the Etsy shop now. That is so cool. I love that. What a thoughtful (laughs) add-on. Thank you. Yeah, it is super fun. And I wanted to ask you too, because I'm so curious what the setup is like. Okay, so how many dishwares do you own? Do you own? I'm picturing like a full wall at one point of inventory. Yeah, I definitely got out of hand. I think that happened at my parents' place, like in their garage, I forgot about. And then I had to like restock on some items because, you know, I forgot that they were there. I think I have like now to date, um, I've edited down, by the way, but I think I have like three solid boxes, like good size boxes of stuff. Um, which is my edited list. I think at some point I had like eight boxes or 10 boxes, something ridiculous. Yeah, amazing. It can, <laughs> I'm sure it can just add up, especially as trends change. You just want to stay up to date, right? You want the cutest stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can get out of control. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really curious too, just from a practical or logistic side, how long would a shoot take you? Like what would be an average project, I guess, that you work on? Could you walk through some of the details there? Yeah, for sure. So if I'm, I can give you an example of like a client where I've worked on recently. Um, Maybe I'll talk about food photography. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we did like three recipes and we did the steps in between. We captured a few photos of the steps in between for this client. I was working alongside a chef and I also had an assistant. So there's three of us. We start our day uh, probably around 10. The chef starts earlier so that by the time we're there, like we're setting up, it takes us a half an hour to set up our end, like from the food styling and food photography aspect of it. There's dialogue in between that happens, obviously, with the chef before we even like meet together for production day. But the day of, we're pretty clear on what's happening. Everyone has their role. And I would say it's about four or five hours uh, to shoot three recipes with a team of three. So it's not so bad. Yeah, that's amazing. That sounds like a good chunk of time where you can get into it and then not not the entire day, right? Unless that's what you love, then that's fine. 
<laughs> it's true. I feel like the entire day, it does happen. And it's very fun, especially if you're working with other people, not just by yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting, but very fun. Yeah. Cool. And I'm wondering if you've identified right now any major gaps in the market that you could see RDs filling. Yeah, well, I think that there's still so many opportunities for dietitians to experiment a little bit more in like content creation, social media, all of that. I think there's more opportunity to be more fun. <laughs> I know that sounds maybe silly too, but like just to be more entertaining and make fun of yourself a little bit more than ever before as well, just with some of these newer platforms like TikTok, which are entertainment focused. I would say that there's still a really great market on Instagram, Pinterest um, as well. I also think in terms of other gaps, I've noticed a lot of dietitians um, exploring niches a lot more and serving specific patient populations. And that really lines up with specific food brands too. Say if you're serving like a celiac market and then you can line up and work with brands that are gluten-free and that sort of thing. So there's like uh, a win across the board for all those, you know, the brands in the audience that you serve. Um, and yeah, I just think that there's tons of unexplored territory still for content creation and uh, social media. Okay. And I think that yeah. And I also, I'm sorry. <laughs> one thing, one other thing to say is that like, uh, you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to, you can still do your nine to five in order to explore and kind of dip your toe in some of these areas. I think that's the exciting thing. Like your, the name of your podcast and your business freelance work, it doesn't have to be um, the only thing you do. It could be a complement to other things that you're doing. So I think that's really an exciting part of it as well. Yeah, totally. And do you have any words of encouragement for people who are like, so wanting to take the plunge, but just can't seem to push themselves off the edge? I would say if it's not fun for you, you're not going to do it. You're not going to be consistent. So if it terrifies you to get in front of a camera and do a dance, like don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> do something like work up to that potentially. But also there's so many other things you could do. There's not one way to to share content or create content. So do what feels good and start start small. It's fine. Yeah. Great advice. And <laughs> I would love to ask you just a few questions maybe about the prices for projects, just so listeners can have an idea of what ballpark figures maybe of what they should be charging for a pretty basic package. I don't even know the language. I'm just kind of leaning on you to explain it a little bit because I don't work in that area, but... Well, I would say that I personally, when I'm quoting a brand, I always offer a range because it gives you a little bit more negotiating power and I don't want someone to look at my number and just be like... Like if they're, if they want to pay me more then sweet, you know, we can talk about the higher end, but I also don't want to go straight to low being low balls and that sort of thing. So anyways, a range is kind of how I approach it. And, um, yeah, for food photography, I would say that my, like I try to sell a minimum. So it books up value for them and for me. And I would say that my starting package, um, is probably around when I did the three, I guess it was around $800. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can go higher depending on what their needs are. Um, of course, that's kind of like on the lower end, maybe 800 to 1500, let's say for three photographs and then video, I charge a lot more. It's about a thousand dollars per video. Um, and I also try to sell packages as well. Yeah. Great. And how many projects do you normally take on at once? I would say that I try to take on, um, no more than like six to eight projects a month that gets to be quite a lot mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes I only work two projects a month and that feels great yeah absolutely that's the beauty of it you ebb and flow based on how you're feeling that sounds great 
And I, listeners love to know this and I did want to ask it, um, what kind of tech do you recommend just for absolute basics? Isn't iPhone enough just to start out if you're just dabbling? Do you need a full DSLR camera? What do you think? Yeah, so definitely a smartphone, especially if it's any smartphone that's been available the last three years, let's say. It should be wonderful in terms of producing high quality, high resolution content. I would recommend, again, because we're trending towards video content, definitely invest in a tripod Mm -hmm. that allows you to do the overhead shooting. That's very important for food videography and food content in general. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Those are the main things. Maybe investing in like one or two nice backgrounds, maybe a neutral prop uh, like dishware set so that you kind of have you know, at least one neutral uh, set that kind of works with most dishes, basically, most recipes. Yeah. Awesome. And I just thought of one more question. It's kind of backtracking a little bit. Do you charge for the cost of ingredients? Is that incorporated into your package for the photographs or do you bill them separately for that? Because I've heard RDs do it both ways. I build them separately. Um, I think maybe once in my life I've built it all together, realized it doesn't usually work out very well. <laughs> I'm glad I asked you because I've heard it both and I've always wondered what is the best approach there. Yeah, I build separately and I also often ask if they have like a budget for ingredients um, because sometimes I'll recipe test like two or three times and therefore I'm buying a lot more. So I like there's some conversation about it. So it's not like they receive a $300 bill for food at the end and are surprised. Right. Yeah. Great point. And I have had a food photographer on the show before, and I asked him this question, and I want to ask you the same question. What's the worst food to photograph? (laughs) This question's awesome. Um, (laughs) I kind of love it all, but I will share that the hardest food to photograph is probably ice cream. And for me in particular, certain desserts, because I'm not really an elegant baker. I'm kind of just a sloppy mess. (laughs) <laughs> when it comes to like dessert and like baking. So I have to prepare probably two or three renditions of the baked good. Um, and then I used to also really not like shooting meat, like mm-hmm. just plain meat because it doesn't look so pretty. It's very brown. But I discussed some tips in my food styling course as well. And I developed, developed some strategies on how to make meat and brown, you know, heavy looking dishes look really good. Do you want to hear what the other photographer said? Yes, tell me. Yeah, he said brown food, basically. Like, actually, even like brown cake, he was saying on the camera, it just looks 2D. But he said it was so hard to make it look three-dimensional and delicious. So, right. Okay, so there's overlap for sure. I I, I totally get that. There you go, listeners. You're getting good (laughs) info here. (laughs) So that brings us to the end of our interview. It was so awesome chatting with you. Did you want to share any closing thoughts with listeners? Maybe do you want to pitch your course a little bit more? Sure. So I have a new uh, videography course. It's made for dietitians and nutrition experts. And there I teach you how to create captivating videos, how to cook people, how to edit your videos, how to come up with interesting transitions, um, all of that. More information is provided. If you guys want to check out my website, I think the links are going to be provided they will be yeah this podcast right yeah so you can check it out um yeah and i just want to say thank you so much for listening uh please do give me a follow at the food stylist rd and snap studio 55 um if you do have any questions i love being social on social media so if there's any questions or if you want to share with me your work and you want some feedback by all means send me a dm and i'll connect with you that way and i also just wanted to gush a little bit about you julia and just say what you do is amazing. I love it. Um, I love that you're also a freelance uh, writer 
and creating this amazing space via this podcast for other IDs craving like more fulfillment or variety in their in their work life to do that. So thank you. Thank you so much. That was so sweet. It was such a delight to meet you and chat with you. And definitely listeners, please reach out if you have questions and all of her links will be in the show notes. Thank you. Bye. Before I wrap up this episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Elise for being such a huge supporter of the show. She always shares the contents. She's donating to the show. She goes above and beyond to support RDs. And I just really admire her and respect her. And she produces beautiful stuff. Next week, I'm going to be interviewing Diana. She is a social media manager. And I'm not exaggerating when I say I've been looking to get one on the show for over a year. So to finally sit down and ask her all the questions and learn from her was such a treat. So stay tuned for that. It's coming out next Tuesday. I hope you have a great week. Bye. A friendly reminder that this podcast is 100% a labor of love. If you like the show, please consider liking, giving it a five-star review, and subscribing to the show. Maybe you can share it with another dietitian who you think the content will resonate with. Anything to get the word out and help get this show in front of others. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. I really appreciate it.